main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Eerie Americus. This is one of your hosts, Christy Hall. And with me, she was able to peel herself away for a few minutes to record this episode. The very gifted, talented, supremely busy Vicky Ayala. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I was about to be like, hi, and be like Ross, <laughs> like from France, but I couldn't even do it because she just hyped me up so much. Hi. I, I've been talking to Christy all day. Actually, no, I haven't been talking to Christy all day. I spoke to her this morning mm-hmm. for two seconds. I said, hey, I'm going to be studying all day. I'll talk, I'll talk to you later. And when I tell you guys I've been studying all day, I'm just going to give you a little context. It is Friday. Right now, it is 7.28. Christy and I have been talking for maybe 20 minutes. 7 o'clock was when the first time I pulled my face away from my books since about 11 o'clock this morning. I took maybe two to three half-hour breaks, but that is about it. Meanwhile, all I did today was get my second dosage and I've slept the whole day. Hey, that's a pretty... It's a big deal because it's like I feel like a... I feel a little bit of freedom in it, but at the same time, my arm really hurts and I'm really tired. So the whole day she's like, I'm so busy. Do you mind waiting to record later? And I'm in bed like, yeah, no problem. And funny enough too, Charlie's sleeping right next to me because what happened was, was last night he had a bad day yesterday and I had a better day. And so to try to make us, you know, balance out as a couple, I was like, hey, it's been a long time since you and I have gone out on a date and like just gone out for drinks and have a meal. Like we haven't done that. We (laughs) haven't done that in a long time. Like just and so nothing. I I mean, on his birthday, we did. But that's literally it in a year and a half. We originally were going to go to one place. It was so packed. Then they put us on a wait list. We found another place we liked and they texted us 10 minutes into getting our drink order. So we were like, screw it. We're going to stay here and just have a few drinks. So mind you, I drove. We're only about a mile from my house. But I'm still very conscientious. I don't drink and drive. So I'm like, hey, I'll drive. You can drink as much as you want since you're having the bad day. He's like, score. Sounds good to me. We have two drinks. And then I'm like, the place doesn't have food. So we walked to another place. And it was just like a basic tavern. Luckily, the first place that we went to, the drinks were awesome. I threw back two really fast. When I got to the other bar, it was just a basic like pub type of place. The drink was just okay. So I just nursed that one. So I was good the rest of the night. Charlie, however, decided to intake a little bit more. We have always enjoyed drinking, but out here in this altitude, we can't drink. My max is three. That is how it's been. So I was good on the three. Charlie had, I want to say six, because he had two beers, a shot, and then two drinks. That's really like seven or eight over here. (laughs) And this is from 6 p.m. to 10. So it's really not that much, but for the altitude out here really gets to us. So we get home. I don't remember going to sleep. I remember us trying to pretend like we were going to watch Law and Order. It was only 1030 when we got home. I like how you know you were going to pretend to watch it. I remember getting up to get a glass of water. I don't remember anything else. But while I'm dr- I'm sleeping last night, I'm having these really weird dreams. And I'm hearing somebody and I have my window open. And at first I thought it was people partying. I was like, because I'm hearing laughing. I'm hearing clinging of stuff. I'm like, so who's having a party on a Thursday at 1030 at night? Like, I live in a building where everyone is a working professional. No one really like parties so it didn't make sense in my head but I was exhausted so I fell asleep and I had to get up for the shot so I knew I had to be in bed hours go by there's still noise there's still noise but I'm just so deep in sleep that I didn't want to get up to investigate I woke up to get another glass of water only to find Charlie still completely dressed in bed which is never he never does that so I knew right away I was like wow he's really drunk and then I woke up to find 
the television still on playing Handmaid's Tale, which we don't watch. So it was just running after SVU. Oh, yeah, because if you watch it on Hulu, it just plays random shit. Exactly. So that was on like four episodes in because it was already like four in the morning when I got up. The <laughs> lights are on. He left my Brita filter out, which I woke up and I started screaming at four in the morning. I'm like, why is the TV on? Why are we leaving all this stuff on? Am I a millionaire? Can I pay for electricity for the cat? Because, of course, Donnie's sitting on the couch, sitting in the blanket that I do not allow him to be in. But Charlie left it there. So, of course, he's sitting there like, yeah, I'm in the cool blanket. Like, so I'm screaming at four in the morning. And the next a few hours later, we obviously wake up and I get up for the shot. I come back. Charlie's home. Charlie's up. And I'm like, are you OK? He's like, no. And I'm like, do you even remember getting up and out of bed? And he was like, not at all. And he's like, I remember you screaming that I left the television on. And that was the last memory <laughs> I had. I honestly thought Handmaid's Tale was a party going on in one of the buildings next to me. I'm at that point now where three drinks in four hours, I was fine to drive home. But when I got home, I just knocked out. It always hits me when I'm in a moving anything like when I'm in a moving vehicle the drinks hit me but it's funny you say that because speaking of dates I hit my two weeks after my second dose last Saturday on the 17th was my official full inoculation so we went to celebrate and we did something that I haven't done this whole quarantine which is eaten indoors so we went to somewhere called Beetle House in New York where it's basically just like a Tim Burton themed bar it was super cute. I know Christy would love it. I sent her videos. Funny, I, I was reading a meme today about um someone like randomly like blurting out about being vaccinated. And so when we went to Beauty House, they of course have COVID precautions. You have to keep your mask on. They take your temperature. And they always ask you, oh, so where are you guys from? What are you doing here? And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm from Brooklyn. They're like, oh, what are you doing here? I could have literally said anything. I could have said date night. I could have said always wanted to come here. Big Tim Burton fans. My My ass screams. I'm celebrating being vaccinated. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to be that person that literally tells every person they can that they're fully fucking vaccinated. I am that fucking person. You know how like the first thing you would tell people is you're vegan. Now the new thing's going to be I'm vaccinated. I'm going to put it in my bio on IG, the way that people put vegan. I'm going to put Pfizer vaccinated and the little needle. Are you a Moderna, a Pfizer, or a J&J? I'm a, uh, I'm a Pfizer and I'm going to put the little needle mark because apparently my thing is now to just tell people I'm fully fucking vaccinated. It's like West Side Story. It's like the Jets. <laughs> Are we going to have a dancing, singing duel in the fucking basketball court? When you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way. And so like I was, but the guy was so funny because I mean, it was in the city and most people in that neighborhood definitely like you see the vaccinated stickers everywhere. And so he was like, oh my God, that is such a reason to celebrate. And I'm just like, um, and Ryan's just looking at me and I'm like, yep, I'm that person. I'm just going to be that person that you're going to ask me how I'm doing. And I'm going to tell you, you your date. like, that's going to be me forever. Okay. So I have an interesting Reddit that I found on ghost stories, the, that thread. Oh man. It's, it's a, like the sun's going down and like, there's no light on in the room that I'm in. And I know I'm going to get super fucking creeped out. Luckily it's short, so it shouldn't creep you out super bad. And it's from adorable dash Acadia, which I find really adorable. And the title alone was, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to read this loud banging on front door. No one home witnessed on doorbell camera yesterday. Oh, sure. <laughs> no problem. I am scared of doorbell cameras, by the way. Like, I know how important they are, but I always told Ryan, I'm like, if we ever get a house, I'm going to be scared to check the doorbell camera because you're going to fucking see sh- Like, it's like when you look for something, you find it. You're going to find shit on the fucking doorbell camera. I think camera. doorbell cameras are like the Pandora's box They're to like the, portal to the outside world <laughs> yeah. that you don't know goes outside of your door every right. day. That's like, very true. Like, if the true. doorbell thing wasn't there, I would never know some weirdo just looked into the eye thing and then just walked away. I would never know. And if I know that, I'm going to get creeped out all the time. But go ahead. Totally. I would love to know what they found on their 
doorbell camera. So something creepy happened yesterday at 3.30 p.m. This was posted four days 3:30 ago. 3.30 p.m., so midday. Yeah. And three is always one of those funny numbers. Yeah, the three, so, the trinity. So my parents and me were at Disney World. Like, when my dad opened up his app to check on the front door camera, looking at the front door, there was an extremely loud banging and a voice that said something we couldn't make out. The footage was live. I've never seen or heard anything like that. On the camera, you couldn't see anything, and it was broad daylight. No one else is there. The banging was definitely more than three knocks. At night in my parents' bedroom, there's a back door, and around 3 a.m., so once again, 3 a.m., sometimes they'll hear knocking. Not nearly as loud as what we heard yesterday, though, but I tell my parents never to open the door when they hear that because I believe there's a clear indication that a ghost is trying to enter our house. They say those knocks only come in three, though. I get back home with the family on Tuesday late evening. Other times when I was in middle and high school, I could hear very loud banging in the middle of the night, somewhere between 2 and 5 a.m. that went on for years up until I went to college on my window. It wouldn't happen in my sister's room, which happens to be the closer door to the front door. So for some reason, they skip the, the front, front door. is okay. Or and Which is interesting. You would think if someone's actually knocking to fuck with you, they'd be closest to the front right. door so they could run. Obviously, it's not or like a real or just person. Not, whatever it is, is not scared. Right. Or another room in the house that I was sleeping in. So like whatever room she'd be in, it would knock. If I left the office, it would happen there too. too. The only time I didn't experience that was when I'd sleep in my parents' room. It was almost like it would stop following me then. The only explanation I can say on this situation is that two of our neighbors died in the house facing front of ours. One, a wife died on dialysis when I was in high school. And the other, her husband died of bad health. Unsure exactly how happened last month. They have two sons. One killed himself when I was in the sixth grade, but it wasn't in that house. The other now lives in that house with his girlfriend and two young kids. We have a good relationship with our neighbors, but I really feel like these things may be coming from the neighbors that died across the street. We live in a dead-end neighborhood with about 30 houses. There's one lane on our street. Everyone is relatively friendly and talkative. It's a very nice area. I've read up that three knocks means someone will die in our family, but nothing has happened. The back door knocks my parents have been hearing this since about the end of last year. I have goosebumps right now, which according to the flashcards I made today is from your erectile pillai muscle. <laughs> erectile pillai that's in your hair. Sorry. I'm thinking about school. Well, first of all, maybe the reason nobody in this family has died is because I think he said it was more than three knocks. So maybe it means something different. But he's just been randomly hearing knocking all these years and it hasn't been more strange. Like, how has it not been more strange? I think what happened was, was you can deny knocking when you think it's in your head. Right. But when you catch but it on digital right. camera. Okay. Right. Putting the pieces together. And I think that's what's going on with this person. And they're looking online to see if anyone else has had this experience as no, well. And getting we more information. We haven't had these But yeah, I just read that and was like, this is short, but really creepy. So I thought it would be good. That was, was very creepy. And like I said, literally have goosebumps. Like I got the chills and I was like, oh no. <laughs> I always get distracted. Um, I was working on a completely different case and I don't know what I was doing, probably something really random or I was studying and I came across something else and I literally stopped what I was doing, researched this case really quick. If it sucks, I'm sorry guys. I just really wanted to tell it this week because it just seemed so interesting to me and I know Christy and I love, not that we love these types of cases, but we're always very intrigued by suicides that are not suicides or that you that we know are in suicides, but the cops are insisting that it's suicides. So I'm gonna tell you guys, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I certainly had not. It's called the Spreckles Mansion. I've heard the name. I don't know the details. So I'm curious about well, this Well, the case. house itself is super famous because um, author Danielle Steele lives there now. So she lives there currently, but this has like a whole 
backstory. A lot of articles about this. So I'm gonna. There's some contradicting details about stuff. I will say what it is. So I read at least ten to twelve articles on this, and I've, I'm seeing different names for who actually built the Spreckles Mansion. I'm gonna go by the name that I saw the most often and from the most reputable sources. I'm using what I saw on like CBS News, ABC News, and not Wikipedia. So for this mansion, I'm going to go back to the late 1890s, a man named John Spreckles, and he was well-established. He was uh, considered one of San Diego's most powerful men. He owned a, he had like uh, gotten control of a company called Coronado Beach Company, uh, the Hotel de Coronado, which I've heard of before. This Coronado is yeah. a very rich, fancy place yep. in San Diego. And the San Diego streetcar system. Basically, he had converted its carriages from horse-drawn to electric, to electric, so he was like a big deal. He bought. Then he ended up buying the Union Daily Paper. He ended up controlling the Tribune, which was its main competitor. Basically, owned all of like Coronado in its entirety by the early 1900s. So, dude had money, like crazy amount of money. So, even though he had like basically made all his fortune in like San Diego, he actually lived in San Francisco with his family. And then there was a massive earthquake in 1906, and he decided to move himself to San Diego, which I don't see why that makes a difference. California has fucking earthquakes. It but. actually does. It's weird, but that San Diego really doesn't get earthquakes like that. Yeah, San Francisco's so, famous for it. So he, it, California is its own. I always consider California its own country. Like it has separate regions and different things because there's so much going on no matter like where you live, whether it's central, northern, or southern. It's crazy. Uh, he decided to move to San Diego, which made sense because it made him rich anyway. Like who would want to travel? Yeah, how does that work? It's hours away. I, I don't know. He probably had a jet. Who knows? In the 1900s? Yes, he had one before it was invented. He just had his own thing. He time traveled, portal. <laughs> he probably had 14 horses that were the fastest horses in the yeah. land. And they just... He was probably one of those businessmen that just lived apart from his family. Probably had a secret family that nobody knew about. That's what I'm thinking. Like, he definitely had... He definitely had more than one family. Because, I mean, his, his wife is hours away. What is she going to do? Take the horse? It's going to take her three days to get there. But he basically um, set aside three of these oceanfront lots in Coronado and just hired a famous architect and was like, build me a house. Because that's what you do when you're rich. You just, like, tell someone to build your house. So this architect, which apparently when you're rich, things get built quickly because this shit was built super quick. And it was designed using steel reinforced concrete, which at this time was super rare, but I think it stemmed, apparently he had a really big fear of another earthquake. So even though he moved to San Diego, which apparently has less earthquakes, he still had them build a like earthquake proof mansion. And like I said, at that time, those materials were very rare, but dude had sick money, so he could afford to do it. All that overtime, he'll get it done in no time. Right. The cost was completed in two years, which is actually really quick because anybody who's ever built property, it takes way longer than two years. He had that shit built in two years. Like, it's not like a two-bedroom, one-bath house. Oh, no, house. yeah. It had way more. I'm going to tell you how many. Plus, it's also 1906, and they definitely didn't have all the tools that they have now. And so this mansion had four bedrooms, six bathrooms, and 66 square feet of living space, which was called, quote-unquote, the center of entertaining for San Diego's high society. But just two years later, he decided, like, he just wanted a bigger mansion and another of course. on the other side of Coronado. And he gave the original home to his son and his daughter-in-law as a wedding gift, which it's, like, the best wedding gift I got was a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> Somebody, I love my friends, but, like, none of you gave me a house. Um, and then so he hey, had... we're not your family. That's, that, that's some inheritance. 
None of us got inherited. Well, none of my family members gave me a house either. So he had an architect, basically. Uh, so then his son added onto the house, had them built like a 3,000 square foot guest house. And he ended up living there with his wife until she died in 1967. But meanwhile, the new Spreckles mansion, it just continued expanding. They added a pool, a spa, a private courtyard, two guest rooms, servant apartments, four-car garage, private gym. Total of 10 bedrooms, 11 bathrooms, 10,500 square feet of living Jeez. space, and additional 1,000 square foot basement. Now, one th- that 1,000 square foot basement is bigger than my apartment right now. The home is still up. It's been remodeled, but uh, they actually, whoever remodeled it, kept the integrity of like the old school century architecture, which I think is really beautiful mm. because I was actually, when I was walking around the city with Ryan the other day, we were looking, and I absolutely hate how modern buildings look on the outside. They're just ugly and they're eyesores and I feel like they're just supposed to like look cool and modern, but to me they don't. I love old architecture. Plus I feel I just, like there's something about the molding and the molding of old and new that looks more beautiful than just switching it, it entirely. Like I think right. like, uh, preserving you can make the inside modern, great. but keep the outside. And I'm sorry, but people in the old days, they just built shit to last. Like modern stuff just doesn't last anymore. Sure. They built that shit to last. So now we're going to fast forward to the early 2000s. Um, we have a woman named Rebecca Zahau. Rebecca had just gone through a grueling divorce from her husband. Um, she had cheated on him with another man. And then she actually went on to be with the man that she cheated on her husband with. His name was Jonah Shacknai. He was the CEO of a major pharmaceutical company. So another loaded dude. 2007, basically they move into the mansion and it became subject of this whole big crazy controversy that I'm going to try to break down for, for everybody. They bought the house. He's a pharmaceutical executive. It's him. It's Rebecca. It's his six-year-old son named Max. July 11, 2011. Rebecca and Jonah, some articles say they were married. Some articles say that they were dating. Either way, they're together and they live in this house and six-year-old Max was there. Okay. While Jonah is out of town, Rebecca's watching Max. And it's said that Rebecca really, really, really wanted to be a mom. And she kind of felt like this would probably be her way to show that she could be a really, really good mom. So she's trying to step-parent, kind of? Yeah, so she's trying to step-parent, which I, I get it, you know? that's mm-hmm. It's it's not an easy thing. Uh, kids can be assholes, so, oh, yeah. you know. Especially if you're not their biological parents. Forget it. So she's watching Max. And so basically Max is playing. Now this house, remember, it's huge. It's got multiple floors. So Max is just like playing on a scooter all around the second floor because the house is big enough to ride a scooter around. And he somehow accidentally falls down the second floor banister and plunges and is injured and is taken to the hospital. Rebecca was supposedly in the bathroom when this happened and she heard it. And then the minute that she came out and she saw it, she called 911 and she was absolutely devastated, blamed herself, felt guilty. Rebecca comes out of the bathroom, which, you know, she, I guess I'm not a parent, but I know you can never leave kids alone. And she probably didn't know that. But you also don't think that they're going to like plunge two feet, you know, from the second floor. My whole thing about that, the one thing I can honestly say is, I don't care how big my home is. No child is going to be scootering inside their house. That's yeah. what that's what the problem was. It's not being left undetended. It was the action that he was doing that, that was left you undetended. You can't control that's the scooter the enough because you can literally like yeah. those things. I've seen I've seen a lot of people fall off scooters. So and that's in public. Imagine like with objects yeah. around the house trying to skim and avoid it. Like and it's that's just, a huge house. You can fall anywhere. So he fell. He he hadn't he didn't pass. He was clinging to life in the hospital. So as his condition starts to worsen, they basically, they don't really know if he's going to make it. He's got family like coming to see him. So one of the relatives that came to come see him was Jonah's brother, Adam. Adam gets there the next day on July 12th. And Rebecca was the one who went and picked up Adam from the airport and brought him to the mansion because he was going to be staying there because they've got 4 million rooms. Right. 
So that night, Jonah, Adam, and Rebecca went out to dinner with a family friend named Howard, and then both Adam and Rebecca returned back to the mansion, and Jonah went to spend the night at the hospital by Max's bedside. That whole story bothers me. Why the hell would you go to dinner with someone? Like, I would not be going to dinner, but whatever. People do what they do. Um, I don't know why Adam and Rebecca went home, and they didn't go to the hospital. But what happens next is what shit hits the fan. So around 6.45 a.m. the next day, July 13th, a call comes into 911 and it says, I've got a lady that's hung herself. And the voice comes from none other than Adam, Jonah's brother. So police quickly get to the scene. Rebecca's quickly pronounced dead. Now remember, the phone call stated that she hung herself. But when police arrived, Rebecca's legs and forearms were bound together and she was completely naked with the shirt stuffed in her mouth. That's not hanging yourself. That's being hogtied. So on one end of the rope was tied to her bed and the other led to the balcony where police found, you know, like toe and heel prints and then a male boot print. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I did not know you can hang yourself with your arms and feet bound. Like I just, who does that? And who hangs himself naked? You don't do that. You don't embarrass yourself like that. People would never just want anybody to find them naked like that. Especially women. Especially women. So police immediately start investigating. And... I'm telling you, some of this shit is just so shocking. It's confusing. So they're searching the mansion. Remember, this is a really big place, so it's going to take some time to find a lot of stuff. While they're searching the mansion, they find a phrase painted in black paint on the door of the bedroom where Rebecca was sleeping, and it said, she saved him. Can you save her? Nobody knows what it means. Police are stumped. Family members are stumped. Nobody knows what the hell this means. They don't so recognize some, the, like, handwriting or... Not, not right away. Some people thought it might have been a sort of, like, suicide note from Rebecca or maybe someone murdered her and that was them taunting them. Um, they also found black paint smeared on Rebecca's body. Like, randomly, like, they were on, like, her nipples, but, like, it looked like someone had pinched her nipples with the black paint, which is not something you would do to yourself, but if you did do it to yourself, you would have paint on your fingers and Rebecca didn't. So it didn't, like, make sense. At this point, it's still being investigated. And three days after Rebecca's accident, Max actually dies. Oh, man. So now police are investigating both deaths. It's about seven weeks later, six, seven weeks later, where they tell everybody, they have, like, a whole conference, and they tell them, like, you know, Max's death was an accident. It just, it was an accident. Nobody meant to do anything. Yeah, that's definitely a tragic accident. It's tragic, of course. But they rule Rebecca's death a suicide. How's that work? Sheriff Bill Gore of San Diego County stated, well, another thing that I forgot to mention is that they found a witchcraft book in Rebecca's room. And it had like pictures and details of a woman like being hogtied in some sort of ritual. See, I hate that kind of shit. And I'll tell you exactly why. Sometimes you get those books because you're interested in just reading about them. Or someone gave it to you. Or you got it at a yard sale for a dollar. Right. All of a sudden, that has something to do with brujeria or witchcraft or voodoo or, you know, like there are books that I've randomly had in my house where it talks about the occult. I'm not an occult member. I have tarot cards in my, co- in my right. house. It doesn't mean I'm doing it. And anything. if I was found dead in a suspicious way, you're going to turn to my yes. my little new like, my new earth cards and be like, oh, yeah, she was into tarot cards. She was a mysticist or she's a, a, a psychic or, you know, I, I, I like, really hate that jump to conclusion. With I that have, kind of stuff. you know, I have all types of creepy shit in my apartment. I have like a coffin shaped shelf on my desk. So like, what would that if mean? If we disappear today, if they look through our computer, oh, they'd be like, what is wrong with these women? They would think <laughs> I was involved in some crazy shit. But so when he's doing the press conference, he basically said that witchcraft had nothing to do with it. 
that the autopsy showed no signs that Rebecca had been attacked. And then they proceed to show a video where a female officer was able to tie herself up, slip one hand out of the noose, put it back with her hands behind her back and try to prove that Rebecca did the same thing. And there was a footprint right there. So the footprint just was happened to be oh, sitting there. I'll tell you all about the footprint. They said that the male bootprint that they found must have been left behind by police. Oh, yeah. Okay, that explains it. Because, you know, police found it, so but they left it. How did they find something that they had just got? Whatever. You know how Christy and I feel about being called a suicide when it's not a suicide. So Rebecca's family didn't believe that shit. They said that they thought that, um, that you know, remember, these are really rich people that were Jonah with. paid them off. Let's just well, they think it. that, or Adam, because Adam was home with her. But a lot of people think, and her family thinks, that maybe they were just so upset that a rich boy was killed and that she had something to do with it, that they probably just were like, she got what she deserved, so whatever happened to her, we're just going to call it a suicide. And that they put no effort into investigating her death because they didn't care. That makes sense. Her family hires a private investigator. The police are claiming that she somehow hung herself, but also tied her hands and feet behind her back. And also gagged herself. They said that she also put the shirt in her own mouth. Which I don't know why you would need to gag yourself when you're hanging yourself. You're not going to be able to scream. Right. The investigator that Rebecca's family hired said that the probability of Rebecca being able to hang herself that way was 0.001%. Exactly. Now, if you heard any other type of statistics on anything else, you literally have a greater chance of being struck by lightning. Because that is, it's just, it's not, it's not possible. You have a chance of winning the lotto first. Twice, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so now, they the police did question Adam, because remember, Adam was home with her. And he stated that he stayed there that night, but he never went into the main house. He didn't go into the main house until the morning. And when he found her, he cut her down, and he did chest compressions and mouth-to-mouth, and he tried to revive her. He ended up doing a lie detector test, and he failed. That's obviously a lie. I'm going to go into evidence for anybody who thinks that she might have killed herself, which I don't know why you would think so. So I'm going to go into some details. Here we go. Because for me, the answer is obvious. The knots that were found on Rebecca's arms and legs were very hard knots to make. They were actually sophisticated. And the only, only people that do certain professions would know how to tie these knots. What kind of professions? I don't know. Maybe Adam's profession. He was a tugboat captain. And he would regularly type these type of knots. Yeah. You know, maybe somebody like that. Okay. Yeah. Next. When Adam was asked why he wasn't at the hospital with his brother and nephew, you know, the nephew that he just came here to come see, he said that the whole reason that he didn't go is because he was tired and he went home to watch porn, to watch porn instead of going to see his nephew. The weirdest part about his alibi isn't the fact that he said that he would rather watch porn than see his nephew, it's the fact that he lied about it. Police checked his computer and there was no porn found. Who the fuck lies about that shit? His dying nephew. His dying nephew. And he's not actually even watching the porn he said he was watching. Who lies about that? Who makes himself look that bad? Somebody who's doing something far worse. Right. More evidence. They spoke to some neighbors in the area and neighbors reported that they heard a woman screaming all night. Adam's call to 911 was really, really strange. Okay, time out. Wait. So people heard somebody screaming all night and no one called the police? Yes, you would be correct. Why are people so awful? It's like, oh, yes. Like, hey, did you hear anything? Yeah, all night. We're going to move on. So remember when I first told you about the 911 call, I said that the quote, the the quoted thing on the 911 call said, I got a girl and she hung herself. He said this three times. He obviously knew who she was. Why is he calling her that girl? Why didn't he say my sister-in-law, Rebecca, my brother's girlfriend? Because he's depersonalizing the victim because of what he just did to her. Because he stayed up all night assaulting her, 
torturing her and then killed her. And so the 911 call was actually four minutes long. And in all of those four minutes, he did say she hung herself, but not once did he say she was naked. Her hands were tied behind her back. Her feet were tied behind her back. He never said any of that. Never. Next. There was no DNA found at the scene. Like, none. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. Adam claims he cut Rebecca down with a house knife, but there was no DNA even found on the house knife. Like, someone wiped it clean. Why would you wipe a knife clean if all you did with it was tie, right. like, cut her down? Cut her down. He also said that he had done chest compressions and mouth-to-mouth, but there was no evidence of that either. It seemed like somebody had wiped the DNA off of everything related to Rebecca's death. Including her? Yeah, yeah there was, like... The only DNA that they found, I'll tell you right now, one, they had found one fingerprint on the paint can. It was like her thumbprint. And then they actually found another knife that was covered in her menstrual blood on all four sides of the knife, leading at least her, the family's investigators, to think she was sexually assaulted. But no other DNA was found, which even if you were just in the house, your DNA should be somewhere. Exactly. Because you walked around the house and you touch things. You live there. You, Unless you come in with gloves that don't touch anything, that is weird. Or someone cleaned up. Right. Okay, cool. So if that's not enough to convince you, we're going to go into the polygraph test. He failed. Which, by the way, like, I don't a thousand percent believe in these right. polygraph tests. Right, I actually tests. wrote that here. Um, I'm not a fan of polygraphs, and I don't believe they're accurate because I have some... I'm someone with anxiety, and I would be super nervous, so whatever you ask me. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. the question that he specifically failed, someone asked if he had killed Rebecca that night. And his heart rate spiked tremendously. I have horrendous anxiety, but if you ask me if I killed somebody, I'm going to tell you, no, my heart's not going to spike. Just saying. For sure. But like with all of this, there was another question that nobody seemed to know. Who wrote that weird note on the bedroom door? So a handwriting expert hired by Rebecca's family, they investigated it and they came back with the conclusion that it was very similar to Adam's handwriting. But the only black paint that they found in the home had the, and the only fingerprint on it, like I said, belonged to Rebecca. Well, the guy had time to clean up for hours and hours. So, of course, he got rid of all that stuff. Yep. And let me guess this. this you said 2007, so there's not, like, a lot of video footage at this point. There's none. I didn't find any. There's, I found some pictures. There's none. Mm-hmm. But the, a lot of people in this investigation brought up, again, the book. The book is called Buckland's Complete Butcher, Book of Witchcraft. And it depicted drawings of this right, which was a naked woman with her hands tied behind the back. And so a lot of people still think that has something to do with it. I'm going to be like, I have weird shit here. You can't chalk it up to anything. No. But... This is one, this is a big one. Somebody hangs himself. Not, you know, sorry to get graphic. If you guys can't handle graphic details, I wouldn't listen right here. Your neck breaks a lot of the time. I mean, that's just what happens. The injuries to Rebecca's neck were not consistent with someone who threw themselves over a 10-foot balcony. Normally, you would see a lot of trauma to the neck. A broken neck, internal decapitation, full decapitation. But this is not what Rebecca was found like. The injury to her neck was to something called a hyoid bone, which is actually, I have a test on it, a hyoid bone, which is a small bone located in the middle and front of your neck. The bone is rarely found broken in hangings because it's just not something that, it's not near where you would hang yourself. And it's usually more consistent with manual strangulation. So she didn't have the injuries consistent with someone who threw herself over a 10-foot balcony supposedly overnight. It looked like someone who had just been choked. But after all this evidence... Rebecca's family sued Adam in civil civil court, which you know civil court has a, a lower burden of proof than criminal court. You only have to like, it's only 51% burden of proof. Um, so in that investigation is where the witnesses stated that Adam and Jonah's mother, Dina, was seen approaching the mansion the night before Rebecca died. 
and they heard that the relationship between Dina and Rebecca wasn't good at all. And when the accident with Max actually happened, supposedly Rebecca told her sister, Dina's going to kill me. And that she kept repeating that. And like the sister didn't know what she meant. Um, but there was footage at the hospital that showed that Dina was at the hospital when Rebecca was killed. So unfortunately, the family actually apologized to Dina and was like, okay, you didn't kill Rebecca. I don't think that means that she's not a part of it, though. I think it almost sounds like Adam took it. He sounds like somebody who's sick, first of all. Like he probably had like some kind of sick fantasies because who admits they're watching porn when their dying nephew is supposed to be visited? So that off the bat already says there's something going on in your brain that doesn't isn't normal. That's not a normal thought process is like, I just landed. Let me go watch porn while I should be visiting my nephew Honestly, who's sick. if he had just stayed, said he was tired, that would have been like, okay, I can kind of see it. Right. And then to be not caught doing what you said you were doing, meaning you were probably doing your own fantasy, which he took advantage of the fact that he knew that his brother wouldn't come back from the house. Yeah. He was angry at what happened. And he right. also has this sexual fantasy. So he figured... This is the perfect opportunity. There's right. there's means, motive. That's all you really need. That's what's there. And he also is super rich. And you know that you can get away with a lot more. That's, I mean, there's further proof every day with what's going on with Epstein as well with uh, Richard Nygaard in Canada. All these people are some are now being caught with all these sexual crimes. And it's be, they're only getting caught right now because it's become so vast and because it spreads like a but virus the through them. the reason they got them. along with it for so long is because they had it's money. because and they everybody had involved money. had money. Money, it makes the world go around. That's just exactly. what it is. So even though they had all of this, like, you know, Dina was there, Dina wasn't there, Rebecca's family still won the civil suit. But can you believe that even though they won the civil suit, Adam has not paid them any money? I believe it. Dude is fucking rich. He hasn't paid them a mm-hmm. fucking dime. OJ never paid the gold. No, he didn't. He never paid so if you're wondering if Adam was ever arrested, tried, convicted of this murder that he obviously committed, the answer is no, because her death is still being ruled a suicide. If you're wondering what Jonah thinks, he thinks that his brother, it was absolutely ridiculous to think that his brother had anything to do with Rebecca's death. And so unfortunately, Adam is free. Jonah lost his wife, his wife or girlfriend and his son three days apart from each other. And Rebecca's poor family is not only waiting for justice, but they're also waiting for the fucking money from the civil, from the civil court. I'm sure the private investigator costs a whole lot of money and... They didn't get any of that. Is it like millions? Uh, I think it was like a $5 million suit. Like $5 oh. million settlement. But yeah, but, and that is the case of Rebecca Zahal and the Speckles Mansion. That's really fucked up. I actually remember hearing about this case, but I didn't know the yeah, details. Yeah, it was, it, it was huge because, again, this is involving rich people and it's involved. It's involving a house. And that house is famous. Like, people still know about it. It's been remodeled. It's been resold. People have been in and out of there. But yeah, this is crazy. And again, another case where they're just calling it. It's like so easy for people to smack suicide on something and then just leave it. And it's just it's still it's still being called a suicide and their family is still fighting it. And I wonder if if she were rich, would there have been a different outcome? If this was two wealthy people that this had happened to, would it be different? Because obviously she doesn't come have the same means that her husband or boyfriend or whatever he was has. So it probably would probably (sighs) fucked up, man. Well, hopefully they get some kind of peace at some point. And karma is a bitch. I, I mean, all I can hope is that there's a different sheriff eventually and that maybe that new sheriff will reopen the case because while the sheriff is in town, he's not reopening shit. Because he's probably gotten paid. He's, he's paid prob- Yeah, he's definitely being paid by the family. The family probably has the whole police department on their side. Crazy. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that?
I found this one and I was jealous, so I wanted to say it. I like it's not like a crazy who does that, but it's one where I was like, who does that? Because I'm jealous that it happened and how can it happen to me? <laughs> this is on via UPI.com and it was forty six thousand dollars cash found under floorboards of Massachusetts home. Why? Why couldn't I find money? Like exactly. I don't even need forty six thousand. Just give me find a thousand dollars. I would take half of that right now. Just give me enough to pay off some bills. If I found $460 in my floorboards, Dude, I'd be I, happy. $46,000. So this is a Massachusetts family hired a professional treasure hunter to investigate decades-old rumor of money hidden in the home. And he found the $46,000 under the floorboards. So my who does that aspect of this is, first of all, decades old, meaning someone talked about this forever ago. So you're telling me nobody else ever thought of doing like, looking it, for no, it? No, no, they do. But why would you originally bury money and leave it in the house and tell other people about it? What right, was the that's purpose the whole point of, of that? buried treasure. It's for yeah. people not to know Aren't about Aren't you it. supposed to hide it under the floorboards and then like right before your death reveal to your children where it is or go back before or you move out of the like house? put it in like your will and be like, uh, right. go get the money that I hid in the floorboards? Exactly. I don't understand the thought process behind it. In this case, in this, this article doesn't go into what, like who originally put the money in. But Keith Willie, the lucky bastard of Groton, Connecticut, said he was contacted by a Western Massachusetts family who told him about a rumor of a large sum of money that was concealed in their home in the 1950s. So this has been around for 70 years. So imagine how much $46,000 was in the 1950s and this person was just like, eh, it's going to stay there. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand what happened. Did the guy bury it and get hit by a bus the next day? Anyway. Right. The family said they hired carpenters to look inside walls and underneath floors in the past, but no trace of the rumored cash was discovered. I have respect for that because they spent money trying to find that money as opposed to just stumbling across it. Right. They gave themselves like, okay, let's actually do some research and check this out. Willie said he took his metal detector into the family's attic and it signaled there was something underneath the floorboards. A look in his endoscopic camera revealed a metal box hidden under the floor. So this person went to the extent of putting it in a box underneath. It's not like they just stashed it like they were like. So I was about to say, I'm like, the only way that it would have went off is if it's in something metal. So they even put it. So you went through that much trouble to hide it, but not to like make right? sure that That's your family what I don't, got it. I, I can't understand. Unless you were hiding it from your family. And then in that case, you did, you, you, you won. Good <laughs> your point. family didn't get it. Willie and the family pulled up the floorboards and opened the box, discovering the 46,000 wrapped uh, cash wrapped in original bank straps dating back to Holy the 1950s. Shit. A family member who identified herself as Karen said the discovery came after many years of wondering if the stories of the money, the hidden money were true. Quote, I'm just glad it was finally found, Karen told WFSB-TV. She said the family has not decided what to do with the discovered cash. I could give you a couple of ideas. I could give you several ideas on what to do with that money. I could give you 46,000 ideas on what to do with that money. (laughs) But yeah, I was super jealous when I read that. And I was like, I'm going to make everyone else jealous and read that. And it's gone kind of viral, but... Let me find like $10. Like, I swear, I'd be so happy. I the other day, money. I felt like I found money because I was doing the laundry and forgot I had like a five in oh, my pocket. Oh, to me too. I and that's like what it feels like, a discovery. I found my own money. Imagine 45995 more dollars of that. That like, that's don't what belong it- to you. That's the key. I, keep, I find my own money all the time. I want to find someone else's money. Exactly. So jealous. But I hope you guys, I, I don't want to say enjoy this episode, but it gave you something to think about. Like, subscribe. Leave us a good review. Most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.